Is this like um, Pong? It's exactly like Pong. Except now this is a three-dimensional Pong because we have three individuals Ponging instead of just, you know, the two classical paddles. In what way is it like Pong? Well, he's the one with the analogy. Well, you hit it and it goes over and then he hits it Mm -hmm. and then it comes back. It's very fascinating. We're riffing, you know? You got to be able to... There's a French word for that. Riffing? Well, for the conversational back and forth. Yeah. Yeah, there well, is. And so theoretically, if you do what we need you to do here tonight, there won't be any dead air, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I got you. <laughs> and we just maxed out. Ah, <laughs> uh, see? That's the opener right there. Bingo. Welcome to Deutero Cannons. I'm Byron, and with me, as always, is Justin. Party on, Justin. Party on, Byron. And we have another guest with us in the studio. <laughs> in my, this is a studio. My, it's a place we record. My bonus room. And it's the it's the other brother, Gil, Todd Gill. Welcome to Deutero Cannons, Todd. Thank you, Justin and Byron. Good to be here. And so before we get into learning who Todd is a little bit better, we got to see all the normal internet things, like, share, subscribe, tell a friend. Um, am I missing anything? Comment. Uh, and also comment. This is episode 44, by the way, for those of you uh, keeping score at home. Of course, that's total episodes. How many How many podcasts or, or like uh, Apple podcast episodes? I don't know. And I'll actually tell you something. I was going back through all the old Facebook stuff yesterday. Yeah. And I think we might actually be one more than really? we actually are. Yeah. I think we were, we doubled, we double fived. We double five. We did two episode fives. We didn't seem to think it was important to keep track of episodes, and 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 now it's come full circle. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, before we get into tonight's topic, which for me we're going to do a continuation of talking about the aspect of the fruits of the spirit, which we're going to be on joy tonight. Um, I, you know, I think we haven't done a great job in the past of maybe introducing our guests. Now, I think that's probably a, a lot of that. I mean, it's not like we ever really introduced ourselves. We just talk, and like I think people get to know who you are but i think still i think we can do better so anyway and mostly people who are listening so i'm gonna already say, know who we are i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you todd if you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and i'll give you a chance to get your thoughts together as i continue to talk for a few more seconds maybe you can tell us uh who you are what you do where you're from or maybe like what your church history is how like about that elevator pitch who is todd yeah. gill well it's not very interesting but um i'm Almost 58 years old and uh, been a near lifelong member of Allensville Church of Christ. And um, I would say I'm just an older version of the two of you sitting here. um, But uh, my family has been involved with uh, Allensville Church of Christ, um, I guess, since its beginnings in the mid-1800s. Yeah. I uh, uh, I enjoy obviously uh, studying the scriptures, and mm-hmm. so that's one of the things that I think is really healthy and uh, good about what y'all are have been doing here with the podcast. Well, and I I would say that you know 
much like your brother Winston, who's also been on on with us, uh, our conversations with you, or maybe I'll speak for myself, my converse, conversations with you have been extremely uh, enriching and useful to me. And so, you know, hopefully we can replicate some of those conversations here tonight. Yeah, Todd has been trying to uh, teach things slash beat things into my head gently and uh, kindly since I was about 18 years old. I remember there were some things that he told me when I was 18 that I didn't have any frame of reference for whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And then like 10 years later, he told me again and it made more sense. Made more sense. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm glad he told me even when I didn't, I like, I listened, but I, 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 I didn't get it. I I don't know why. I, I don't think it was his fault. I'll also say too, you know, before we started here tonight, uh, we were messing, we, we've spoken in the past of some of the, uh, real to real content of old sermons and classes from the Allensville that, that we're looking to get put on in a digital format and then put on the other podcast on the Allensville church of Christ, uh, proper podcast. And, and, uh, I would say Todd is a driving force behind that initiative. So hopefully we can make that come to fruition. I just really, um, looking forward to the opportunity for, um, some of the historical, um, messages and, and teachings, uh, to be shared, uh, as well as, you know, the current. And so that we can learn from each other, um, and from those that have gone on before us. And I would say Todd has been probably the driving force, at least conceptually, or really like, I think that you could say that, that Deutero Cannons and any type of online presence that Allensville or people at Allensville have goes back to Todd, he he's the one who said that these are the sorts of things that we we ought to be doing, and that we ought to be making current material and historic material available to as many people as possible. Well, I, I want to say it was your cell phone that was propped up with the phone books the first time we did virtual <laughs> worship, right? <laughs> I think yeah. so. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and Todd's been recording sermons at Allensville for as long as I've been there. Yeah. So that that's, and I'm sure it, it was before that too, but that goes back, you know, more than ten years. Okay. Man, I started to say something. I don't know. Are we, yeah. I, I guess I was thinking about this the other day, speaking of recording things, you know, Lord willing, if we get to do the singing this year, I'm really looking forward to getting like a good quality recording of that yes. and, and putting that up. Mm-hmm. Well, that that's our intentions and uh, I'm looking forward to it as well. And I'm sure a lot of other people are too. Yeah. And um I was really pleased with the Sunday night singing that we did a few months ago. Yeah. Um, and we need to do that again. I'll, that, t- I'll tell you, those are the things, those and like the Christmas program uh, get the most traffic on the Facebook page. So I think, I mean, certainly well, beneficial all around. Right. And, you know, there, there, social media is a kind of a, a black hole, but there, there are bright spots here and there. And, and I think that things like that that we're able to, to put out there. I mean, it's it's not getting a whole lot of views and, and attention because it's some sort of high production, highly entertaining thing. But it's it's something that's good that that people are recognizing it is good and they they appreciate it uh, yeah. as best I can tell or from comments that um, that have come my way. Yep. All right, so let's move into our discussion tonight. So as I mentioned before, we're continuing my my uh, series on the fruit of the spirit. So two weeks ago, we talked about love, and so we're just going to go in the the order listed here in the Bible. So if you want, you guys you guys can go ahead and turn over to Galatians five. Although 
Um, I don't know that we necessarily need to go through through those again. And so we're going to move tonight, move on tonight to joy. And so I guess I'll start with uh, what the definition is here. So last week we ended up getting uh, Todd. We ended up getting going a little bit long on <laughs> deciding if we agreed with the definition that that Zondervan <laughs> has come up with here. And so uh, again, I'm working out of this matrix that's in my Bible that I'm also using for the teens downstairs to help them. Um, you notice I always have to mention downstairs when I talk about the teens. The downstairs. Teen, the teens downstairs in the basement. Uh, in fact, we are we are standing up in class and rehearsing already, so hopefully that'll be coming to hey, that's good. service here pretty quickly. Uh, but so I have this matrix in my Bible that we're using as a framework, and it has each aspect a definition, and then it has that, that aspect of the fruit of the Spirit as an attribute of God and as an attribute of Christians. So we'll use that same framework tonight. So... In this Bible, it has joy defined as an inner happiness not dependent on outward circumstances. So I guess I have two questions. A, what do you think of that definition? And B, what is the difference, if there is any, between joy and happiness? Todd, you want to tackle that first? Well, I think that generally uh, we understand joy to be something that is uh, comes uh, from within and is not uh, necessarily uh, influenced immediately uh, by outward or circumstances at the moment. Mm -hmm. And uh, joy would be a, a maybe a, a long-term um, trait, um, mm -hmm. a lifelong um, goal perhaps, but also something that um, obviously that we would have within, but then would show up uh, in our lives in an outward uh, way, whereas maybe happiness would be more temporary. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like when people discuss, when they discuss happiness, they tend to relate it to, uh, you know, external factors. And so, I mean, it gets, I guess it sounds like, at least with what you're saying, this this definition seems to work, an inner happiness not dependent on outward circumstances? I believe so. Yeah. Justin? Yeah, so I, I wanted to, and I don't want to, I don't know, get, get ahead of you at all, mm -hmm. <clears throat> but like one of the things that, that I, I tend to think about when it comes to understanding what the scriptures mean by a word, aside from just the context, is going back to early places where it's used. Mm-hmm. And, um, one of the places that it's used in the old Testament is in Psalm 16, Psalm 16, 11, and, uh, Psalm 16, 11 says, thou wilt show me the path of life in thy presence is fullness of joy at thy right hand. There are pleasures forevermore. Hmm. So let me read that again. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. So I, I don't quite want to say that I, that I completely understand all, all of that fully, but if it's in God's presence that there is fullness of joy. So we know on the one hand that we are always in God's presence. You know, David says in another psalm, uh, where can I go, go from you? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you were there. So in other words, there, there's no place that a person can go where God is not there. 
So that that's true on the one hand. On the other hand, there's also this sense in which there there are times and places and situations in which God's presence is felt mm-hmm. or experienced more directly, yeah. or more more um, tangibly or palpably. Yeah. Let's say, and and that's clear in the Old Testament too. I mean, if you think about David, for example, dancing without his normal royal robes on, maybe wearing mostly nothing mm-hmm. or totally nothing before before the Ark of the Lord. You know, that wasn't a common everyday occurrence. So there, there was this presence of the Lord in that situation that brought about very different action and, and experience. We also know that so at thy right hand, there are ple- pleasures forevermore. So we ha- th- there's this idea in Psalm 16 that's connected to e- eternity. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, so we're always surrounded by God's presence on the one hand, and yet we look forward to a day when we no longer see through a glass darkly, mm-hmm. but we are known even as we are known. And so th- it seems that uh, part of the reward of the righteous is getting that fullness of the presence of God and that that's ultimately the joy that we're talking about. And so that also makes me think about C.S. Lewis because he, he talked a lot about joy. He, he has a whole book called surprised hmm. by joy, which deals with, it's really a, a, a spiritual autobiography of Lewis and, and his conception of joy really is connected to this, like th- this idea in Psalms of, like we do have God's presence on the one hand, and yet we have this longing for the fullness right. of God's presence. And so he calls that tension joy. Hmm. And so there's a, a time early on in his childhood where he says that he experienced that for the first time and that it was that experience of joy. And and I, I guess I can describe it briefly. I think that, that, w- <clears throat> that, that what he saw was, man, I, I don't want to, I might mix him up with G.K. Chesterton because Chesterton had a very similar thing in his childhood. Yeah, with Chesterton, it was some sort of like little like play dollhouse or something. And and by looking at it in the particular way that the light hit it or something, it it gave him this kind of holy longing, like not not a longing for stuff, not a longing for food or or drink or possessions or status or power or anything like that. But this, this longing for something else that's, that's out there that over time he recognized was God himself. Mm -hmm. Not that the, not that the experience at that moment was God, but, but he had this longing that he recognized could only be found in, in God himself. And Lewis had a similar experience. And I think it was also with, with light hitting something in some particular way that, that he had this, this this divine holy longing that he called joy and and that saw him through eventually all of all of the atheism that mm. he that he that he dealt with like he really saw that experience as being instrumental to the fact that he didn't stay an atheist so i i guess i'm i'm taking joy in a in a little bit of a little bit of a, a different way but um, yeah but it but it still sounds like it's less superficial than happiness uh, yeah, definitely. You, you know, and like in this definition here, they're they're using inner happiness when, th- and that might be for lack of a better word, mm-hmm. you know. And I feel like I'm hearing joy and happiness used interchangeably at times. Maybe these days, maybe it always has been. 
because uh, you'll hear people say things like, well, if it brings you joy, which I think when they say that, they mean if it brings you happiness. Or, or, or even worse than that, if it's fun. Well, and that's what I'm getting at is uh, it seems like uh, <coughs> happiness, you, you'll, you'll see happiness used as an excuse for wrongdoing sometimes, uh, which, I mean, shouldn't be counterintuitive. I mean, I think that's the nature of some sins as they are uh, pleasurable or fun, you know. Um, but I, and so I, I guess at the at the end of the day, maybe maybe that's just the at least one of the differences between the two is that happiness is is more superficial. I was thinking about when Justin was describing how C.S. Lewis thought about joy. And I was thinking about how because it is more of a, a, a long-term uh, feeling uh, or characteristic, um, besides being a characteristic of God that um, that is um, imparted to us through His Spirit, I was thinking about how that joy would encompass things like um, satisfactory nostalgia, along with um, present enjoyment or thrills or maybe even happiness, but also with the hope of the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, which uh, that hope um, that we have does bring joy to our lives in, in light of whatever the circumstances are currently or even have been mm -hmm. in our, our past. Um, but I'll, and you may have already talked about this in um, previous things, but as the fruit of the Spirit, are these this list are characteristics of of God Himself. I was thinking about <clears throat> how that they are also uh, c connected to us through emotion, mm -hmm. and it's so interesting to me that we, I think, deal with these things naturally in a different way than God wants us to. For instance, isn't it a little bit strange when God said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God? Hmm. Um, hmm. As though we actually have some... Uh, we have some... Something else we were going to do? As though we do have a choice in the matter. Yeah. And so when, yeah. when, when he says, thou shalt love, um, then that is a, a directive. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there, there are other passages that talk about some of the other things, but um, we choose goodness mm -hmm. and patience and kindness and and um it reminds me of a funny story when Callie Ann was a little younger <laughs> this is his uh, granddaughter and uh, she i think i think it was at the dinner table and she wasn't eating or not doing what she was supposed to and her mother said uh do this or <laughs> suffer the consequences which she didn't want and and she said, goodness, mama, goodness, patience, kindness, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> well, 
Well, you know, Justin, you said something last week. We were talking about love, how love, l- love is more than emotion. What would you say? But it's also like it also includes emotion. You said it. Right. Like, what did right. you say? Do you well, I think said? I said something like that. It's it's more than emotion, but it's not less than emotion. There you go. There, there's there's a hierarchy there, and the and the emotion is involved, but the emotion is not the important thing. Although it's 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 connected. Yeah. Um, something else uh, connected to to joy. So so the other thing that I, I try to do is try to understand as best as I can without being an expert in in either Greek or Hebrew, even though I've dabbled um, to some extent for several years, is to try to look up the word in Bible dictionaries. So. Uh, joy in Galatians 5 is kara, and Jim Atwood, I guess, if he's listening, he can let me know if I'm saying that correctly or not, because I'm not sure. And, and when I saw that, that the, that the word for joy was kara, mm-hmm. so like, uh, like K-A-R-A, it starts with, actually, it starts with a chi, like the, the Greek letter that looks like an X, yeah. but is pronounced like a K. Kara, I, I thought, huh, I wonder if that's connected to, to charis. Because charis is grace. And that's also where we get like the word charisma. Like the idea of charisma is that somebody is gifted like or graced with a, you know, with something, you know, whatever it happens to be. And so here in um, the, the Bible dictionary that I use, it's, it's actually BibleHub.com. They have an interlinear Bible that's available and it, it links to Strong's Concordance and lots of different Bible study helps that I find enormously helpful. So th- there are three words that there's, there's kara, so that's uh, chi, alpha, rho, alpha, and then there's, um, and, and, and that one means extend favor, lean towards, or be favorably disposed towards. So there's, uh, so there's kara and there's chiro, so that's, um, well, if we were spelling it in English, it's X-A-I-R-O, and then there's Charis, so there's, so Cairo, rejoice because of grace, Kara, joy because of grace, and then Charis, which is grace. Mm-hmm. So all three of these words are connected. And so with, with Kara, extend favor, lean towards, or be favorably disposed towards. Okay, so that, that's, that's really interesting because I think that that, knowing what it means in Greek, I think can help us separate the word joy as it's used in the scriptures from the happiness, which is important, but it is, yeah. is, is, is a lesser thing. It's, it's momentary, it's fleeting and the momentary fleeting things are not things to be pursued in, in their, in their own. I, right. I, I like that, that favorably, favorably disposed towards let's, <laughs> let's take that and let's go, yeah. go to our first verse. So this is in the category of attributes of God. So the first verse I have here is Psalm one Oh four thirty one. So let's turn over to that real quick. <clears throat> Psalm 104, verse 31. Now what you'll find here is they, uh, they're using joy and then also rejoice uh, kind of interchangeably. And Justin, you want to go ahead and read that? Yeah, Psalm 104, 31. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. So, uh, like I said, in this passage, we don't see the word joy necessarily, but we see rejoice. And so when we were discussing this downstairs, and it's actually uh, Caleb Smotherman who has joy when, when we actually get up and do the talk, kind of what we discussed is this idea of, uh, well, like let's take that definition you just gave us, right? So 
favorably disposed toward. Favorably disposed towards. So the Lord yeah. is fa- so the Lord is favorably disposed towards his works, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which which is interesting, I think, because I guess very simplistically, it seems like this joy thing's a, a two way street. Like God can certainly bring us joy, but it seems that we bring him joy. That definitely, yeah. It, it, that's the, that's the whole point of, of of everything. But I mean, that's again maybe <clears throat> obvious, but at the same time, like the God of the universe, like is favorably disposed towards us, right? And so that's that's also the proper way. So that's the proper way to understand joy, but it's also the proper way to understand grace, because if we recognize that the creator of the universe is favorably disposed towards us and has graced us with gifts. Like he's, mm-hmm. and, and there, there's a Todd, maybe, maybe you can help me. What, what, what's the verse where it says he, he ascended on high and he gave gifts to, to men. That's it's referenced in, I think Hebrews. No, no, no. It's in, it's in one of Paul's letters. Wow. Um, and, and maybe It'll take maybe me that a comes, minute. Okay, I can he's, find he's it. like I didn't know I was playing the role of the concordance tonight, Justin. <laughs> well, that's what I expect of you, Todd. <laughs> well, sorry. Um, wow. Is there a keyword we can just look up? Right okay. There? Well, the, the the point the point holds. So, grace and, and it goes. It's these church words, you know, like like we talked about in another recent podcast. These church words that we know are important. Sometimes they all get lumped together. It's like yeah. You know, like like the kid sticks a package of jelly beans in his pocket and there used to be all these different flavors and then they melt together and then it's just like this one solid lump of, you know, kind of jelly hard sugar that the kid's still going to gnaw on but doesn't have the experience of the actual jelly beans that were intended. I think that happens sometimes with these important church words. They just all get lumped together in our heads and we, we lose out. Mm-hmm. On so much by not taking the time to think about what they individually mean because by thinking about them individually it's beneficial to us but I think it brings glory to God because we have a better picture of who he is which is why he's revealed himself to us in the first place I do think it would be healthy and right and good for us to um, have a view of God uh, as being joyful, he he does take pleasure in the things that he has made. He does take pleasure in us uh, replicating that, and um, I think that's important for us to to be able to um, characterize our relationship with God, and that there are things that he takes great pleasure in. Well, so and here's where you know I'm almost starting to have issue take issue with their definition where it says not dependent on outward circumstances which man i i get that right because again we don't want this to seem as though uh you know we we are just superficially satisfied by our environment on the one hand on the other hand i've said this before and i think you guys can relate like i feel like if you don't have children you're you're kind of missing out on on some things as it pertains to how god might relate and feel about us Mm -hmm. you know and so uh (laughs) so i mean i am favorably disposed towards my children you know they they bring me joy i would say when i and it's just something about like (laughs) this is why i'm laughing (laughs) you know when joe biden sniffs a kid (laughs) 
it's weird because it's not his kid, but I smell my kids. I don't know if everybody else smells their kids. I smell my kids all the time. <laughs> and same thing. And they're always like, why are you smelling me? I'm like, I don't know. You, you smell like one of my kids. I just want to smell you. <laughs> I don't know if that's weird. But it also, like. Well, my family mostly smells like goats. Also, so. also, I look at them a lot. Like, it's like you see them sometimes and, and you know, you just want to, like, look at them. Because it's like, you know, I don't know. It's like a little you or a little version of your spouse and. Like it just it makes you feel happy, I guess, joyous, uh, uh, because you've you've participated in what God does, which is creating. That's exactly where I was going with this. I, I, of course, then you get caught though. Like, why are you looking at me, Dad? It's like I just like to look at you. You're my kid, you know. <laughs> but that's that's kind of where I was going with this when we were talking about. Uh, and I know I got to preach again coming up here soon. I think I'm going to talk about the art thing. When we talked about, there's something about work. Hmm. I think I'm going to do another version of that. There's something about art because I think okay. you're, you're right. There's really something about that. God's a creator. We're, we're a creator. Yeah, Tolkien has a term for that. And so you ought to, I'm going to have to forward you an essay written by J.R.R. Tolkien yeah. where he makes the case that good storytelling and, and good art is best understood as sub-creation. Yeah. It's, so you don't have the, the artist, which, and this is a big problem a lot of artists and writers conceive of themselves as creators. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's, that's why I think why. Well, even think about this. They call themselves content creators, people that do sure, what we're doing sure, here, yeah. right? Yeah. Right. That's, th- that leads to hubris and all yeah. sorts of bad stuff, like anti-fruits, like not fruits of the spirit, but fruits of the flesh right. is, is what that leads to. And we don't have time to get into the fact that some of the most bloodthirsty dictators of the of all of human history were failed artists. But again, this might be overly, overly simplified and certainly he's the creator. He knits them together in their womb, but a womb in, in our wives wombs. Right. Anyway, to the to the, to the degree that we uh, participate in the creation of our children, certainly we can understand how we would be favorably disposed towards them. Might maybe like God is favorably disposed towards us and, and how that would uh, bring us joy. Yeah, so, so like you're acting out God's character. Yeah. So I think you're, I think you're referring uh, to God as the creator, and then obviously there is procreation, oh. uh, which is mm-hmm. slightly different. It, it would it would be um, sub, yeah, subordinate or under yeah yes uh, sub creation yeah. And so, um, but it, but also God has um, given us the ability to appreciate. Um, and you know that that separates us from the rest of God's creation. Whereas, as people, as humans, uh, we have the ability to appreciate music and and things that are beautiful, mm-hmm. uh, and we have that ability to love God the way that He uh, intends for us to do, and we can have. Joy, which is what we're talking about tonight, in a similar way that God experiences joy. Certainly. And I think that this really significantly distinguishes joy from happiness because none none of this conversation has been about like, well, what makes me happy? Or or not even exactly what makes God happy. It's, It's more like participation in the situations that God has thought of i think it's interesting too that that i mean 
so creation, procreation, it makes me think of like mission, submission, co-mission, you mm-hmm. know, like it's almost, it's, it's so some, one of our subordinate tasks, you know, perhaps you could say is, is to be a co-creator, pro, procreator. Anyway. Uh, so our next passage, let's, we're going to turn over to Isaiah and it's Isaiah 62, five. Isaiah 62, 5. Boy, Todd, we need to do a sword drill with you. A little India paper is hard with these old fingers. <laughs> the end of Isaiah is really interesting. 62, 5. By the way. You want to go ahead and read that, uh, Todd? 62, 5. For as a young man marries a virgin, so your sons will marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so your God will rejoice over you. Well, what do you think of that? I mean, it's interesting we talked about so God being favorably disposed towards his creation and and this seems like a uh maybe another way to relate to that you know we talked about you know uh what we can learn by by having children and then certainly so so it seems we could also understand what God's joy is and how how he is favorably disposed towards us the if if we uh if we're married and, and understand understand how we might be favorably disposed towards uh our spouse. Hey, do we have time to to read the verses leading up Certainly. to verse five? Yeah. Okay. Todd, would would you mind just reading one all the way through five where you ended? Sure. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent, and for Jerusalem's sake, I will not keep quiet, until her righteousness goes forth like brightness, and her salvation like a torch that is burning. And the nations will see your righteousness and all kings your glory. And you will be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord will designate. You will also be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. It will no longer be said to you, forsaken. Nor to your land will it be any longer be said, desolate. But you will be called, my delight is in her and your land married. For the Lord delights in you, and to him your land will be married. For as a young man marries a virgin, so your sons will marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so your God will rejoice over you. Whoa. Yeah. I got a... Todd, what, 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 do you, what do you think of... What do you, what do you make of that? Well, I think that... Um, uh, God has uh, has made choices, and uh, and 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 He has granted favor um, both to people and and their places, and it's God who sets the our habitations, and He also um, He has plans for His people. Mm-hmm. And he he's talking about a long term relationship, which is uh, what is intended by uh, the discussion of uh, married. I just got to say too, this is maybe a tangent, but the idea of a royal diadem. I mean, if it doesn't make you think of uh, a particular hymn, I don't, once again, I want to I want to dive into that now. <laughs> crown him. Yep. Bring forth a royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Yep. That's the one, and then crown him with many crowns. Is that a, that's a different song? That's a different song, but right, same idea. Yeah. 
other so, thoughts so, on that passage? Well, yeah, so the, the reason that I, I wanted to, to back up and have Todd read more there, uh, that first verse, for, for Jerusalem's sake, I will not keep silent. Mm-hmm. So again, we have this idea of being favorably disposed towards, because if 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 God is apparently taking it on Himself to to advocate for the the situation of of, of Zion, both the place and the people, mm-hmm. then He must be favorably disposed towards them. And so then, the proper response of those people would be joy, mm-hmm. which is to say, recognition. Of of God's character and His person, and the way in which He's intervening on their behalf, mm-hmm. because it's He He doesn't have to, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, especially in light of, and, and you get this if you read the whole book of Isaiah, all of the ways that Israel has failed right. and sinned against God in r- really graphic ways. At times, and 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 for God to still say that He's going to, for their sake, not remain silent; that He's going to give them a new name; that they'll be married instead of forsaken. Well, yeah, joy. Joy is the the right word for the way that that ought to not simply make a person feel. It, it, it's a it's a it's a deeper recogni- It's a it's a recognition of of God's grace. You know, and I I don't know, again, this is one of my normal, I don't know if I have a complete thought here, so maybe you guys can help me get to it, but one of the things when I discussed this with the kids downstairs (laughs) (laughs) is how, you know, it's interesting that, and also kind of well, duh, that, that this all starts with love. And so this idea that love kind of undergirds all of these aspects of the fruit of the spirit. And so when you think about, you know, rejoicing in a bride, and then the things that you're talking about there, this idea of, uh, you know, the times that Israel was disobedient and fell away, and yet God still loved them. And so it would seem like, like I mean, again, so, so love kind of undergirds all these other aspects of the fruit of the Spirit. And in the case of joy, you know, when uh, maybe there are reasons where one might not typically be joyful because of that unconditional love, you know, God's able to return to uh, a time of joy. I don't know. Does that make well, sense? The, the thing that you pointed out the, mm-hmm. the first time that we uh, started with the fruit of the spirit, it, you made a distinction that honestly, like I, I wasn't, I don't think conscious of, I think that I had always said the fruits mm-hmm. of the spirit instead of the fruit right. of the spirit. So, so we're talking about a, a, I don't mean complicated necessarily, but a complex yeah. thing. So the fruit of the spirit is, these all of these things simultaneously mm-hmm. and so it does make sense that there's there's overlap and yet the distinctions in this unity have to be considered well but i guess i i feel like and, and again tell me if i'm off base here but i mean we know that the greatest of these is love right and so it seems like love is the sinew that holds the whole thing together mm-hmm. like the joy without love uh isn't 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 the joy that that isn't God's joy at least? Well, and the scriptures say, and, and love binds them all together in perfect harmony. Yeah, and without that relationship that you're talking about with God, there is no way for us to um, have the joy that He has, or that we're really 
want and need um, in our lives. And it's through relationship that these things uh, come. And I wanted to read this um, passage from Ephesians chapter 2. And it talks about how we are naturally because of the influence of Satan in the world and our and and it says that we are by nature children of wrath but <clears throat> this is Ephesians 2 verse 4 and this is I, I think one of the most astounding uh, but God hmm. but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus in order that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Obviously, there's a lot uh, in that. But the point is, is the um, God is so rich in mercy and love that he he did some very unusual and incredible things by um, offering his only begotten son, Mm -hmm. which we've been talking about. Byron, you've been talking about the joy that we have uh, uh, and we can experience and identify with the father because of being a father yeah. and um and that he was willing to sacrifice his only son so that we could um participate in um the joy that he intends for us and i i just love that where he says that um he, he's made a place with him uh, through Christ Jesus and in order that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness. And, that, and um, Paul, a little bit later um, in the next chapter, he, when he's talking about um, this... Um, he says, to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. It's through the Lord Jesus Christ that we have um, an opportunity to experience the, the fruit of the Spirit. Mm. And um, that's something that God intended for us, even though we didn't deserve it. And, and then he says, now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond Hmm. um and so you know god can um god can make it so that we have access um to this type of joy when on our own i don't believe that would be possible yeah certainly well said all right let's move on to we got one more verse for the attribute of god and then we'll get into attribute of christians or attribute for christians and so we're gonna go to luke 15 and it's 7 and 10 and i think the reason for that is because these are kind of like the uh uh this is maybe where jesus is tying together two pretty well-known parables um so i haven't read yet i'll read that so in 
Luke 15, 7. This is at the end of the parable of the lost sheep. So I'm going to assume that most folks are familiar with that story. It says, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. And then verse 10, similarly, is at the end of the parable of the lost coin. And it says, in the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Uh, so what, I mean, what does that one tell us about joy? What, what, what's different? Or does this differ from the other passages we've read somehow? Uh, no, but I, I think it, it, it's very much in line with what it, with the passage that we read, the verse that I read in Psalms, mm-hmm. the, the, not the first one, the, the second one, the one that you directed us towards. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so if God is favorably inclined towards us, well, then everybody who's on God's side, wherever they happen to rank in the created order, would also be favorably disposed towards us. And so so when, when a person actually does something that's in, in line, in keeping with what God intends, it's like, this is a great situation. Mm-hmm. Like, this is this is good. Just like when i mean so so it's if your kid obeys like i can be satisfied along with you mm-hmm. if if i see that obedience and i recognize your appreciation of it yeah i i, I think that that's maybe maybe a way of understanding um the 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 angels or i mean i guess you could say that i'm in a in a role similar similar to that as a as a teacher because you know the parents are way more important than i am so really like like i'm i'm just helping them in some particular aspect of raising their children and so when when a child does something when i get to see something that the parent is proud of something that the parent has intended for the child because of the parents um loving um intense towards them well like i get to participate in that satisfaction. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, when I look at the two previous verses, you know, it's like the first one kind of encapsulates God's uh, joy, joy in creation. The second one kind of talks about God's joy, uh, you know, like that of a, a, a groom for his bride um, in the context of Jerusalem. But I think even just for, for, for maybe mankind more broadly. Um, and this, this one though, uh, it seems to, I mean, I guess what's is, is there something significant about the element of of a repenting a repentant sinner here? And I guess that's that's kind of what you were saying. <clears throat> but I, I wonder if this is an element of, um, you know, kind of like love, how we were we are maybe undeserving of love, but he loves us anyway. Like the the same thing here, where here's a situation where we could maybe find reason to not have joy, and yet. He's 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 saying that the angels are rejoicing over a sinner who repents. It's interesting that these two parables, um, the lost sheep and the lost coin, come before the one of the lost boy, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. there's a lot more detail in that one, and it's and and it's a little um, more personal where we can see. The, the father's reaction. Well, and you could also maybe relate to the big brother a little bit who did everything right, right, in that story. We can relate 
in some ways to all of all the characters, the characters in yeah. that, in that, and and obviously the father, you know, representing God, who um, is um, full of joy when his uh, son returns, mm-hmm. and I think that that it's a it's a in some ways it's a very sad story, um, much like our own. Uh, and, but it ends um, with a, a restoration. Yeah, which is interesting because I, I mean I don't know. Is it counterintuitive intuitive for us to to rejoice when a sinner repents? Because it seems to be something he was dealing with. Uh, and mm-hmm. I, what I'm reminded of is one of our first episodes where we talked about we talked about metanoia, and we talked about uh, Jonah and mm-hmm. and him, you know taken off for Spain essentially to get away from going to Nineveh. And then Mm -hmm. even after he went to Nineveh and they repented, he went out and sulked under a twig, you know, (laughs) (laughs) like, like why, why, why why is that a thing? Cause this seems like to be what Jesus is saying here, right? He's like, you need to rejoice. You need to rejoice when somebody repents because the angels are rejoicing. God is rejoicing. Right. Well, I, I think it goes back to what Todd said about, you know, we we have we have choices to make. We we have free will, mm-hmm. and so anytime that there's there's free will, there's going to be people who don't choose to to use it well. And th- there are all sorts of reasons and, <clears throat> and and explanations for for why a particular person in a particular situation might happen to choose to be without without grace. Uh, without the attitude that the father has, without the attitude that clearly the the angels have here in these first couple of parables, it you know the the, the older brother had reasons to yeah to, to hold a grudge against the younger brother. I mean the, the the younger brother had been immensely offensive to the father, and so it's like the the older son took took offense on his father's behalf. And it is thinking, you know, like this kid really deserves what he's getting. And I think that even if, you know, some of us maybe are more prone to that than others, but that's at least something we can relate to. We can relate to the idea that a sinner is getting what the sinner deserves when stuff in that person's life isn't going well. Mm -hmm. And we might even justify it by saying, well, you know, like, you know, the person really just needs to, to learn the lesson and, you know, there shouldn't be intervention too early, mm-hmm. you know, like they kind of need to hit rock bottom or, or whatever. Right. Um, of course, what the older brother doesn't know is that the younger brother really had hit rock bottom. Right. And, and, and really was sincere, but you know, s- sincerity is something for the Lord to work out in the first place. Oh, certainly. Yeah. All right, so we're going to move on to the next section here. So that's we've exhausted the scriptures under attribute of God. Uh, there are several for attribute for Christians, so uh, we'll see if we can get to all these. Um, and certainly, as I've said before, there'll be overlap, I would I would say, from what we've already read. So the first one is Deuteronomy 12, and then it's got 7, 12, and 18 individually. I don't know if we're going to need to read, uh, do a little bit more reading to make sense of those. So it's Deuteronomy 12. And then 7, 12, and 18. 
There also you and your household shall eat before the Lord your God and rejoice in all your undertakings in which the Lord your God has blessed you. Hmm. All right, you want to read 12, Justin? Yeah. <clears throat> I'll read 18. And there rejoice before the Lord your God, you, your sons and daughters, your men servants and maid servants, and the Levites from your towns who have no allotment or inheritance of their own. And then 18 says, Instead, you are to eat them in the presence of the Lord your God at the place the Lord your God will choose, you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, and the Levites from your town. And you are to rejoice before the Lord your God in everything you put your hands on. So, uh, I guess my first question is, what, where is there? I have a subtitle here that for chapter 12. It says, The One Place of Worship. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, well, it goes, it goes along with what uh, verse 13 says. Be careful not to sacrifice your burnt offerings anywhere you please. Offer them only at the place the Lord will choose in one of your tribes, and there observe everything I command you. So is this this one place of worship? Is this the promised land? Well, no, no. It says well, it, it would be ultimately in the promised land, but it it just says that like in their very so you you would have the the central location of worship for the whole nation, like for the feasts and all that. But but apparently, <clears throat> the, the, there, there would also be designated places within each of the, the geographic areas of the tribes where sacrifices were to take place. And there were Levites apparently dispersed throughout throughout the land is the sense that I get from that. Uh, actually, and I know that to be true because in our study with the, with the kids, we read a chapter where it talked about kind of part of the, part of the uh, when the Israelites get in the promised land and they, they kind of break it down by, by tribe. And then there was essentially a... a there were there were Levites in each area, and mm-hmm. they 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 kind of manned a location that um, basically people could could retreat to if they had, did wrongdoing and were like being being chased down or something like that. I can't. Recall uh, but the, the, there was a city of refuge. That's I, I don't about. know if there were multiple cities. Yeah, I guess there were go. multiple cities of refuge. Yes. Uh, in verse five, it says, "But you are to seek the place the Lord your God will choose from among all your tribes." And I have a note here that says. The tabernacle, the Lord's dwelling place during the wilderness journey, will be located in the city in Canaan, where the Lord would choose to dwell. Moses stresses the importance of centralizing the place of worship, ultimately Jerusalem, as he prepares the people for settlement in the promised land, where the Canaanites had established many places of worship. Isn't it interesting, again, that um, there was a command to rejoice? Mm. Isn't and and it's it's similar to. The one to to love, yeah. And um, you probably got some funny stories, you know, when you have children, mm-hmm. and you say, "Stop crying," <laughs> and and uh, uh, but it's also one of the things. It reminds me of when Jesus said to not be afraid mm-hmm. when you know things were pretty frightening. Uh, and uh, God tells us to be courageous. Yeah. And those are things that um, we we muster up, and uh, we might we might have to muster up some uh, rejoicing. Well, I think there's also something to this because each one of those it's almost like a corporate joy, 
You know, it's not just you. It's you and your manservant, mm-hmm. your maidservant, and your husbands and your wives and the Levites. and Right. And this seems to be somewhat distinct from the joy that's talked about in in the New Testament. This this has a different sense to me mm-hmm. than uh, kara. Mm-hmm. The, the Hebrew word here uh, comes from uh, samek or samek. And, and it's, it really is more of a straightforward, like rejoice, you know, celebrate, be glad, do, do happy, positive things. Actions. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think one of the most significant ways that we can, um, process that is starting with thankfulness. Mm-hmm. Because it's, uh, I've said several times that it's impossible to be truly thankful yeah. in any other um, thing at the same time, especially any negative emotion. If you're being thankful, then it, then it uh, rejoicing comes yeah. naturally. So, so yes, definitely, and and so connected with thankfulness. You know, the time that we think of as usually being thankful is, is around Thanksgiving. But so many people in, in our society, myself included, are insulated from the appropriateness of Thanksgiving coming in the year when it happens to, like when it happens to fall mm-hmm. in November. And that's something that you can pick up on if, if you read, like, like we've been doing in Sunday school with um, some of the younger kids, reading through certain highlights in the book of Leviticus, like the, the feasts that were, were appointed and and you you see that uh that there's like one of the feasts occurs after like there's a feast at the very beginning of the harvest the feast of first fruits and then there's a feast at at the end which i believe is the feast of trumpets feast of booths maybe maybe it's the feast of booths um that that is one of the the fall the fall ones the the, the point though is that you know when it says here to rejoice and be glad there's lots of preparation that would have gone into that. Like in any time that the Lord had a feast and, and there was some particular observance that they had, even if you're just talking about the Sabbath, which was, which was celebrated every week, there was always preparation that went into that. It's not something that just happened on its own. It's something that it, it's, it's almost like it, it's, it's saying to be, to, to have this sense of satisfaction that comes from, doing work over a period of time that God has told you to do that actually turns out to keep you alive. Mm. And so when you get to that point, you have this thankfulness, but it's, it's not in oneself or, or or pride in one's accomplishments. It's like, this is what God has said to do. Yeah. And so, yeah, rejoice and be glad that we're continuing to live. But, but by having things like a particular place where God says to do this, celebration it's it's again not on human terms or for human reasons it's always in contexts and and manners that that god would establish and by the way when israel goes wrong it's when it's whenever they start deciding where they are going to sacrifice for themselves Mm. like you you read about like in uh first and second kings and first and second chronicles about the high places Mm -hmm. well they were like, hey, how about we go up there? How about we go up there and sacrifice? I mean, isn't up there just as good as down here? Better view up there, I bet. Yeah. And that that's where all the pagan worship w- would happen was on the was on the high places, and they, you know they they would get more more involved, um, more um, 
anyway, stuff just really went south when they started doing their rejoicing in places that they chose instead of in the context that God determined. Yeah. All right. So we got, let's see, one, two, three, yeah, four more verses here. Let's, uh, I don't want to rush us. We're at an hour four minus banter. <laughs> so, uh, next so one. So wait, is, so 42. So this next one is Psalm 64, 10, which I don't believe that was the one you had said earlier. No. Psalm 64, 10, which says, The righteous will rejoice in the Lord and take refuge in him. All the upright in heart will glory in him. I'll read that again. It's kind of short. The righteous will rejoice in the Lord and take refuge in him. All the upright in heart will glory in him. So uh, can we say we're, we're tying rejoicing to righteousness in this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's what's the role of righteousness in our in our rejoicing? Perhaps I think if you read verse nine, it, it becomes possibly a little bit more clear. It says, "All mankind will fear; they will proclaim the works of God and ponder what He has done." Mm, ponder, right? But but also you have the word fear. Yeah. It you know th- thrown in there. All mankind will fear; they will proclaim the works of God. So that sounds a whole lot to me like. Every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You know, it reminds me of the fear of the Lord as the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. Yeah. Yeah, so we're, we're all talking about the same, the, the same idea here. But I think that uh, this talks about a time in the future, and in that time when all mankind will, will fear, it's the righteous who... Rejoice in the Lord and take refuge in him. So, okay. So if, if that's what sets the righteous apart, that they fear the Lord and rejoice mm-hmm. instead of fearing the Lord and not rejoicing or fearing the Lord and and being angry or, or not being interested in, in what... scared, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, curse God and die like yeah. Job's wife told him to do. Let the righteous rejoice in the Lord and take refuge in him. There are all sorts of things that we can take refuge in. Everybody mm-hmm. takes refuge in something. Right. I mean, it's it's impossible to not. Kind of like you could say that everybody rejoices. The question is not whether we rejoice, just like the question is not whether we sacrifice. The question is why and to whom, right. for what purpose. So the righteous rejoice in the Lord, take refuge in him. Let all the upright in heart praise him. Mm-hmm. Everybody praises stuff. The question is is what? Right. Anything else? You got any thoughts? Okay. Uh, Isaiah 25, 9. Isaiah 25, 9. I do like how this uh, matrix kind of takes you from old to new. Yeah, I was thinking that when we started. I appreciate that. In that day they will say, surely this is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. Mm. And there's that be glad you talked about. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. Another brief song of praise. So maybe in the past where we we kind of see our rejoicing being tied to righteousness, are we tying rejoicing to salvation here? Let us rejoice and be glad mm-hmm. in his salvation. Yeah, and this comes after Isaiah 24, which uh, discusses the Lord's devastation mm-hmm. of the earth. So if, if the Lord is going 
has and and will um, devastate the earth. It's like okay, so that's that sounds bad, mm-hmm. looks bad. Yeah, that's that's a fearful thing uh, right now. I mean, it feels like we're on potentially on the precipice of World War Three, if you know some of the fruit of the spirit doesn't prevail. Right. This version says. This is our God for whom we have waited Hmm. that he might save us. This is the Lord for whom we have waited. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. As though some of us are looking for and waiting for our salvation in the Lord instead of something else. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, when we, we go back to when we were looking at it as an attribute of God, you know, we, we, we kind of, uh, we talked about how we can appreciate it more by understanding, you know, the relationship of, of parent and child, of uh, bride and groom. But if we think about this here, the idea of salvation and what you talked about, Todd, about being thankful, um, I guess maybe what we need to appreciate there and might be hard to do in 21st century America is the idea of being somebody in need of rescue, Hmm. you know? And so imagine you're, you know, let me try and think of something that other people could relate to. I remember being a young person, you know, I don't know, maybe six or seven, five or six, and I didn't know how to swim. And we went to a wave pool and apparently there's a red line on the bottom that if you step over that, now you're in the deep end. And so all I know is all of a sudden I'm underwater and I can't swim and I can't breathe. I'm, I'm drowning, you know, and some stranger saw me and plucked me out of that situation. Right. They rescued me, mm-hmm. let's say. And, uh, I mean, I was pretty, pretty joyous that they did because it was looking pretty, pretty dire at, at the moment. I don't know what, what my, what my family was doing. They obviously weren't paying attention. Yeah. You, you, know? you learned that day what salvation is. Right being rescued from death and so i mean you know another thing that comes to mind there's a pretty interesting you know you can find stories about this gal uh on the internet um this this aid worker she's an american she went to man it was like sudan or something like that and she got her and her and another european guy got snatched up by some terrorists and and she was held captive in the desert for days and days and days and days and if you were if if you recall the story uh you would recall it because uh she was rescued by SEAL Team 6, the, uh, or uh, Dev Guru, as they're also known as. These guys were sent in in the middle of the night to rescue her from the middle of the desert where, you know, she's starving, she's uh, dehydrated. Uh, I think she had had, like, a urinary tract infection at that point because she wasn't bathing and all that stuff. And, you know, these guys just came out of nowhere. And she talks about, like, being in this hopeless place and thinking that she's going to die in this desert. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, these guys show up and, and they save her. You know, and so I guess all that to say, maybe this idea of salvation is foreign to us because because we have it so good in this country that not mm-hmm. many people maybe experience it, at least to that extent. Certainly, you know, again, maybe somebody's slipped under at a wave pool once or twice or something. But but, but that that's the right idea. Yeah. Like that's what we, I think those situations, like absolutely improbable salvation, you know, against the worst possible odds like that that's got to be what we we think about to help us conceptualize the significance of what jesus has has done for us Uh, another good example of that is is lord of the rings you know at at, at the end it's okay like the, the situation's lost you know frodo and sam they're probably dead and 
you know, the, the, the army being led by Aragorn, which I don't know. Have you read this? I've seen the movie. That's it. Sorry. He's Sorry making a sad face. <laughs> hey, Justin, it's only in the last couple of years I started reading uh, fiction. <laughs> Man, you have a long car ride every or, day, two way. You could you could knock it out. Yeah. Audio audiobook. And anyway, so Tolkien had this idea that that he came up with called U catastrophe. Mm-hmm. So it's the word catastrophe with E U at the front of it, and that's mm-hmm. what that's what he was was doing through through the Lord of the Rings. And so he said that the that the preeminent example of U catastrophe, which is oh E U in 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 Greek means good. So it's a good catastrophe. It's like you know snatching life from the jaws of death, snatching victory from like out of defeat, life out of the grave, that that sort of thing. And so we need stories where where there where there's improbable rescue. So that we have as many ways of possible of understanding, recognizing, appreciating what what Jesus has done for us, because yeah, like just reading it on the page should be enough, but so frequently, so frequently it isn't. So my takeaway is that the EU is a catastrophe. Yes, the e, the EU is <laughs> is a catastrophe. It always was. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have something, Todd? Sorry, I thought so. No. I'm going to jump ahead to the New Testament. We're going to go to Philippians 4.4, and then we've got one more after that. Man. I think I know that one. You will. I mean, several songs have come to mind as we've talked about this tonight, and this one, this is no exception right here. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. <laughs> I feel like we should read a little more there, maybe. Let your forbearing be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the, God of, and the, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So I have an interesting note here. It says, under all circumstances, including suffering, in reference to 4.4, rejoice in the Lord always. And I think that's probably the, the interesting qualifier here, right? Because certainly, uh, maybe by a worldly standard, joy would be conditional. And this is saying, you know, much like we are to pray without ceasing, it seems like we're also always to be joyful. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, that's that's a challenge, certainly. Right, but but again, I, I think that if we if we make the distinction between... Joy well, and happiness. Yeah, yeah, except you know we've got. It does seem like there there might be a slight difference between the the Hebrew understanding and the Greek understanding, or maybe I'm just mixing up joy and rejoice. Um, maybe this is the way the way to say it. So joy is a noun and rejoice is a verb. Mm. So the, the the one precedes the other. Yeah, or, or maybe it, maybe it could go both ways i mean it could be that, that there, there there might not be a, a sense of joy necessarily in a particular moment but by choosing to rejoice anyway in the lord you know it probably doesn't doesn't matter which which way you you go at it and we probably come at it from from different ways depending on the circumstances i guess the point is if we're doing what god says well 
then we have the recognition or we should have the recognition that he's favorably, favorably disposed towards us. And regardless of all circumstances, if God is for us, who can be against us? Well, you know, and again, this, this passage seems to come to mind quite a bit, but consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you experience trials, right? Of, of, of all sorts. And again, that's counterintuitive. That is not, that is not worldly advice. Right. And so maybe again, to differentiate joy and happiness, because certainly if you're experiencing trials, you're probably not going to be happy about it. But if you're right with God, you can have a sense of satisfaction because you know there's something solid at the core. Yes, and there's and Paul said that I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. That he said that right after saying to rejoice always. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it it was a learned behavior, yeah, but it was something good. that came from his thankfulness. And uh, also his strong faith in what was going to happen in the future, which he talks about regularly. And right, he, and, and, and we, we, we really can't talk about joy and then rejoicing because of the joy mm-hmm. with, without talking about what's coming. And I, even in the Old Testament, there is this sense that, that the thing that we're really talking about, that we're joyful about, it's, it's, not, it's not exactly here yet. Well, I mean, that's so interesting, though, the idea, I'm kind of uh, chewing on that, the idea of it being a learned behavior, you know, because, again, it reminds me of uh, Sabrina. That was a movie we watched last week, right? Sabina. Sabina, sorry. Sabrina's uh, the, the Harrison Ford flick. The teenage witch. Right? Also a teenage witch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the idea, again, in that pas- in that movie where she brings up the passage, if your enemy's hungry, give him bread. If he's mm-hmm. thirsty, give him something, give him water. And how they say, like, that's so ridiculous, you know? Yeah, that's what and, she says at first. And it's the same thing here where it's, it's you know, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you experience trials. That's ridiculous. That makes no sense, right? Yeah, and I was so glad that, that it said that in the movie because for those of us who have grown up in the church, it can be really difficult to, to recognize just how how different, how good and different the, the scriptures are and how good and different Jesus is. But since Sabina was coming out of, um, a, a, a somewhat Jewish, well, a, a definitely Jewish background, I guess somewhat, it's not clear how faithful or religious she was necessarily, but she was sufficiently outside Christianity mm-hmm. to be able to see what it says with fresh eyes and to say, well, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It, and and I think I think part of that is is because I mean, like these concepts, although maybe maybe less and less the case, uh, I think in our country we tend to not understand how foreign these concepts are because Christianity is so woven into our culture. I mean, you think about how we're expected to treat our enemies when, when we wage war as compared to how many of our enemies treat us, you know? Mm-hmm. And we think that, 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 that w- the way we're expected to treat them is appropriate, and why is that? And I don't think many people would point back to something like this. It just is the way that it is because, you know— that's the 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 culture that they were brought up in. When mm-hmm. and the reality is, is that uh, to to treat your enemies kindly. I mean, again, it is it is so so counter to what a lot of the rest of the world would do. All right, last passage we got First Peter uh, one eight. I don't know where we're at. Who's read? Who hasn't? I think we're at a Justin. Yeah, I think you're right. Though you have, I got to back up and read seven. These have come 
No, sorry, I got to go back to six. <laughs> In this you greatly rejoice. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who, through faith, are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Hmm. That, right. that wraps it up pretty well. I think it really does. That says it all. I mean, that, that actually very succinctly says everything that we've been trying to say. For sure. So, final thoughts? That's my final That's thought. That's your final thought? You have any final thoughts, Todd? Well, I, I mean, yeah, I don't think we can surpass what Peter said right there in those verses that Justin read. And um, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and it's because of, because of His mercy and His grace, um, we have an opportunity to uh, not only... Um, live with him, but also to rejoice in him. And that's what, I think that that's what we've been talking about. Yeah. I, 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 I'm just thankful that, you know, the God of all creation is favorably disposed towards me, towards us, towards, you know, our families, our, our church. And man, I, I hope that I can uh, reciprocate mm-hmm. to him and to, to, you know, my fellow man. All right, good. Yeah. All right. So traditionally, if I lead, he prays, and if he leads, I pray. But when we have a guest, we try to have we tend to have them close. So if you can close us in prayer, our Father in heaven, we're thankful for the opportunities that we have today. We're thankful for your great love to us. We're thankful um, for the love of the Lord Jesus, who was willing to to die in our stead and we're thankful father that you raised him from the dead that he's at your right hand that he's making intercession for us because he loves us and because you love us and we're thankful father for the joy that we can have because of our relationship with you and we pray father that uh, we will be the kind of uh, christians that you intend for us to be that we might um share that joy, and uh, present your joy uh, to those that are around us. um, We're thankful for um, the um, church. We're thankful for um, the opportunities that we've been given um, because of our associations together. And we pray that you will be with us um, as we go uh, throughout the remainder of this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.